everyone. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me Chase. What's up? And we are a horror paranormal podcast that love telling each other true scary stories from all over the world. And we also like to drink, <laughs> which is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, you've got a 90 shilling, and I'm drinking Guinness, the Guinness Zero, which the, has become my new fave. Yeah, yeah, which is really good. Tastes just like Guinness to me. I don't know. It's what I need to keep rolling. So this is the first episode of 2023 here. <laughs> I hope all our listeners had a good New Year's, assuming you observe it, obviously. Most of the world uses the Gregorian calendar and just celebrated New Year's Day. But if you happen to be a listener from any other place that has a different New Year's, I mean, I still wish you had a good last week, but it's not <laughs> New Year's for you, I guess. So, you know, happy last week. I hope you had a good past. Yeah. Uh, as our longtime listeners know, one of our favorite ways to celebrate holidays is with horror films. Halloween and Christmas are easy, that's to be sure, but it's the other holidays where it gets a little bit tricky, but thankfully New Year's has a good movie, a good horror film. Our current tradition, several years running, has been to watch End of Days on New Year's Eve. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger action horror film that most people haven't heard of, at least in my experience talking to people. Mm -hmm. It came out at the end of 1999, and I actually saw it in theaters with my brother. It takes place on New Year's Eve in New York, and the basic premise is that the devil comes to Earth every thousand years to try to find a bride. Thankfully, we have our favorite bodybuilder to stand in the way, <laughs> and to be fair, it's kind of a different role for him. He plays a morose, alcoholic, suicidal mess of a man who lost his family to a home invasion years before. It has a good cast, a phenomenal score, and one of the most upsetting visualizations of the devil I've ever seen on camera. Like, that devil looks messed up, and I yeah, I remember when I saw it when I was like 14 or whatever, I was like, wow, that devil's way creepier than I ever imagined the devil to look, so solid work. Yeah, exactly. We also, I mean, I guess I should also mention we watched Bridget Jones's Diary. Uh, that's not a horror <laughs> that film. That was on me. So I love that movie. It's kind of like one of those ones that's both a Christmas and New Year's movie. So we kind of usually watch it in between. Yeah. So we rocked out some wine and destroyed a charcuterie board. It was good stuff. Good movie. But in other exciting news, Lily and I were once again guests on Dead Letter Movies. Dead Letter Movies is a podcast run by our friends Andrew and Tim where they discuss their opinions on movies, both classic and contemporary. Their episodes often have a specific theme or ideas that inform their movie choices. The episodes are a lot of fun and demonstrate both their love and knowledge of the medium. This episode was on what happened in various fandoms over the 2022 year. Topics range from Muppets to horror to even <laughs> Star Trek but keeping mostly in line with movies and show-related topics. It's always a blast chatting with them, so if that sounds like your cup of tea, be sure to check out the episode. It was posted last Friday, I think. A, oh, my God, was it? Yeah, it was right. I think it was, yeah. yeah. it was like... Why does it seem longer ago? I don't know. Time is weird. We've had a really busy last week, to be sure. That's but true. It's always fun talking to them, so it, it was a good time. So if you like movies and all that stuff, it's totally worth your time to check it out. I had a lot of fun, so I'm sure you will, too. But enough with our updates, Ooh. I believe. You don't. You didn't have anything else to ask. Add, no, not at all. All right, so we've been working our butts off on this <laughs> research. So I'm really curious what Lily has. I'm pretty excited for what I have. So okay, we should get so on this. Here we go. In the spirit of New Year, I decided to do my story on a weird subject matter, which is time anomalies. We always hear people say, I can't believe it's already been a year. Especially with these past few years, um, it seems like time has gone both really slow and really fast at the same time. Absolutely. So I thought maybe I'd share some true time slips. 
uh, sometimes also referred to as temporal distortions. Well, and our couple episodes ago, we had our user listener stories, and that had a time dilation one in it, and that's very much so, so worth listening to. So, if you're interested in all this, you have to check that episode yeah. out. That's probably one of my favorite stories. It's so good. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Suffolk and Liverpool, England, tend to have an unusually high reporting of time slip incidents. Weird. More than any other single location. So it happens all over the world, definitely, but seems to be like more here. I wonder why. I I don't know. I don't know enough to understand. Uh, you got to tell me more about time dilation. Maybe maybe some theories will start. Bubbling. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to go into the stories. Sure. Um, they're going to be more famous stories that I kind of chose here. Perfect. So here we go. Okay, the first story is a famous one of an off-duty police officer who experienced a time slip back in 1996. On July 7th, 1996, married couple Frank and Carol were visiting Liverpool for a day of shopping. At some point, the couple split up to do their own thing. Carol went to the bookstore while Frank went to buy some DVDs. When he was done, he started walking to the bookstore to meet up with his wife. For a brief moment, Frank described sensing a dead spot of silence. Weird. Yeah. Then a small vintage van rushed past him, nearly hitting him. Frank saw that the van had the words Kaplan's written on the side as it passed by him, and it also honked, so there were there was definitely some sort of interaction. Sure, sure. That's when Frank suddenly realized he was standing in the middle of the road. This was confusing because that section of the road is always blocked off by pillars that rise out of the ground during the day when the shops are open so that people can kind of walk around freely. Sure. Although not impossible for someone to drive through it if the pillars were accidentally lowered, it was just very unlikely. Anyway, Frank crossed the street and saw that the bookshop was now called Crips instead of Dylan's. Uh, when he peered through the wait, window, wait, wait, wait. I just need to verify that I missed something. Like, did he before the truck hit him see it with a different name, or oh, okay, just so, in his memory he was going to a store that he knew and he hadn't seen it yet. Here's the thing. Okay, so I think I know where I kind of went weird. So the van itself, totally separate thing. It was just passing by, sure. and he noticed it said Kaplan's. Because, you know, like, when something almost hits you, you're like, what the F? You're looking right at it. Yeah. So he's like, okay. Your perception gets intense. Yeah. Right. Some Kaplan's van almost hit me, whatever. Gotcha. And then he's like, okay, so it's time for me to meet my wife. So I'm going to go. The shop is called um, Dylan's. But when he goes to the location that he knows where this bookstore is, yeah. it's now called Crips. Okay. So he's like, okay, what the heck? Anyway, so he peers through the window and he can only see women's handbags and shoes. When he turned back around to the street view, he saw that people around him were dressed in 1940s or 50s attire. What? Yeah. In the mix of it all, he spotted a woman in her 20s wearing modern clothing enter the store. So he decided to follow her as soon as uh, to follow her because he's um, like, at least she seems because normal. she was the only one that seemed normal. <laughs> But as soon as they passed through the threshold, he saw that everything went back to normal. Um, like, you mean it came bookstore again? Yeah, it became bookstore. So <laughs> it, like, switched back. Oh, man. Everyone was dressed appropriately, and the store was back to, like I said, a bookstore. The woman he had followed inside also appeared visibly disturbed. Frank asked her, did you see that just then? The girl responded, yeah, I thought it was a new shop that had just opened. I was going in to look at the clothes and now it's a bookshop. And then she started laughing and left. <laughs> oh man, that's so like, weird. What? Okay. Like assuming nothing bad. I, I don't know. Is, is there another part to this before I run all my commentary? So there is a little bit more to discuss. Let's hit that first. Okay. And then, I, didn't I, know got, if you I got a lot of thoughts, but I, mean, I need to make sure we don't answer them. Okay. 
okay, 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 we can do that. Frank eventually caught up with his wife and asked if she experienced anything strange as well, which she responded no. So she was Mm. like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, Anyway, his story got enough attention that he ended up on the Billy Butler show where he told his story again. Within minutes, the show had plenty of people calling in to share that the store, Dylan's, was in fact called Crips back in the 50s and 60s. Like, how's Crips spelled? So C-R-I-P-P-S. Yeah, I'm assuming that's how you say it, right? right. Anyway, um, and that Kaplan's was also a company that existed at the time, but it doesn't exist anymore. So why would it say that, you know? This story was particularly intriguing because it had elements that make it more realistic. Uh, First, Frank was a police officer. For a lot of people, this gives him a lot of credit. And also, it would be a bad career move, obviously, to be like, look... They're supposed to be trustworthy and not kind of weird and we, like we run into that with like UFO stuff as well. When they yeah. are a police officer, it's not because police officers are more trustworthy, but they have more to lose career wise. Yeah, like if they scientists, lie. things like that. Like yeah. you have something to lose. Yeah. There was also a separate witness that experienced the same thing. But do we um, know who she is? No, which oh, okay. is actually, if anything, in my opinion, more credible because why would she fall into this lie with him? Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't. They didn't know each other or anything like that. She had no reason to lie, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. The store names were accurate. It's unlikely that Frank would have known this information, you know, like past history of this street and stores. You know what I mean? Like, it's not unlikely, but just sure. not really something that people know. It's not common knowledge. Yeah. Lastly, there was an actual interaction. The van driver acknowledged Frank, and he honked at him. So it wasn't just a total hallucination. There was some sort of, like, realism to it. But yeah, so that's kind of like the end of the story. Now, if you're talking about like theories and all that jazz, no, no. I kind of have that at the end of my stories. So like no, we can no, talk no, about, no. But we can do I, it now. I meant more like that specific experience. Oh, so okay. Okay. So what's I, I your want, I want to make sure nothing bad happened to him. Like he had a Stroke. cerebral hemorrhage, <laughs> hemorrhage like a day later right. or something. So the experience he just had, I want that. Wait, I what? I would have loved to even just for a moment step into a different time for a short while. That sounds awesome but like I'm how do that. you know you would be back like it would be so well freaky. that's why i said i want his experience so i don't want wanted- like to accidentally be somewhere and maybe not come back. i mean like the experience he had like if i could walk down like knob hill and see what it was like in like the 50s for even just a few moments that mm-hmm. would be really neat to it me. would be kind of cool i would love that but i would be very disoriented i don't know if i would have enough time to enjoy it because i would be too scared the entire time true but i'd be worried that i'm having like a seizure or something and, <laughs> exactly yeah. but i but i think that'd be really interesting the other thing is that's not the only time travel i detected in that story you said he was gonna go buy dvds but you also said this is 1997 so he's either rich as hell 1999 oh 1999 would definitely uh, yeah but 97 i was like I, dvds existed but oh, he no. had to have been like the richest guy in the world to get dvds you're in right it was 96 it said dvds i don't know they could no dvds existed yeah. but they were they were a super premium expensive object at 96 and 97 i don't know maybe i don't know him <laughs> i don't know his bank like statements yeah i don't think we got a dvd player until 99 and it wasn't even like it was so expensive and by today's standards it was a really really crappy dvd player but they just didn't have the technology like like down. right yeah so i was saying that like Maybe he's got a lot of different time travel elements in there. He's like, let's go five <laughs> years in the future. And then he actually went 50 years in the past. But either way, I want a time travel experience like that. It sounds like a lot of fun. 
after reading this story, I discovered there were many other similar encounters like this on Bold Street. So the encounter that I just told you, it's on Bold Street. Mm -hmm. And strangely, most people reported being back in the 50s or 60s, sometimes earlier, but it's usually within that 1900s time frame. Weird. Yeah, there are a lot of stories of uh, to sort through that I found out, but I ultimately decided to just share, like I said, popular stories. So that's where I'm sticking with it. See, and we were in Liverpool. I know. could have had one of these experiences. <laughs> okay, so this story also took place in Liverpool and on the same street. A woman by the name of Imogen was out shopping on Bolt Street to buy baby clothes for her sister's new baby. She saw a store called Mother Care and went inside. After browsing a while, Imogen was shocked to see that the clothes were incredibly cheap. She was excited and got a bunch of clothes. She approached the counter, and when it was time to pay, Imogen pulled out her credit card and gave it to the worker. The woman behind the counter gave her a strange look and asked uh, her to wait a moment while she went to go get the manager. The two employees returned and told her that they don't take a card. Like, not credit card, <laughs> but like, we, don't, we don't take a card. Um, Imogen dis, uh, didn't have any cash on her, so she returned the items back and left. When she got home, she told her mom all about it, and her mom was like, that's super weird, and told her that the store she described does not exist anymore, at least not since the 70s. Uh, her mother went on to say that it was now a bank where she had an account and has actually visited recently. Weird. Yeah, so Imogen was still not convinced and decided to return to the store the following day. When she got there, it was a bank. <laughs> she, couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't find the store, that's a fact, and instead found the bank her mom described. This one might be a little bit more wishy-washy. Could she have gone down a different street by accident? It's, yeah, it's possible. Possible. But, but the not accepting card thing, that's the weird. weird. Like the weird interaction. Mm -hmm. And even she was like, I don't understand the fact that the clothes were super cheap. Not very common thing, especially in a big city like that. I love how her reaction was, ooh, cheap clothes are going to buy a lot. Whereas you and me, if we're at a store and the clothes <laughs> are really cheap, we just assume it's garbage that's manufactured with the worst material. We're like, yeah. maybe I don't need like a 50 cent t-shirt today. <laughs> very, I mean, yeah, probably. Um, so, and then there's like other factors too. So the fact that this store actually did exist at some point yeah. also is helpful for the story. But one thing that did bother me was that, was that the only thing that was weird? Cause if it was in the seventies, she wasn't very observant. Like what were the people wearing? They, it, their clothes would have been very different. Well, yeah, but also remember sometimes when you go to specialty shops, particularly in the mall, a lot of the people working behind the counter tend to actually be dressed in a particularly trendy ways. And didn't like if she went to the 50s you know the 50s hairstyle and everything kind of has that rockabilly hip maybe, vibe yeah. 70s maybe depending on it otherwise you might be like <laughs> right. wow this <laughs> that guy in a leisure suit looks really out of like, place that is an interesting suit my friend yeah. um yeah so that's just kind of like something that bothered me about the story but i don't know i also can't blame her because i'm not very observant myself <laughs> so i this would have very very easily could have happened to me too but yeah so that's one or that's story number two this next tale is of a guy named Sean who lived in Liverpool back in 2006. Uh, Sean, uh, this story starts off just quick. Sean was running away from a security guard after he was caught shoplifting. Okay. <laughs> he managed to slip out uh, the store, but while he was running, he realized that the security guard was right behind him. Panicked, he turned down an alleyway just to maybe lose him, but unfortunately, it turned out to be a dead end. 
Before he could do anything else, Sean started to feel a strange sensation and felt like his chest was getting tighter. That's always worrisome. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, a uh, heart attack? Yeah. Heart attack? Something. Uh, not good. Not knowing what else to do, he just stood in the alleyway waiting for the security guard to catch him. But time passed on and security guard never showed up. So Sean decided to go back onto the main road, you know, just to go home, I guess. But as soon as he turned the corner, he was surprised to see cars driving and see streetlights up where there were none before. Weird. That's when he also noticed people's clothes looked very old-fashioned. He started to panic and pulled out his cell phone, hoping to get some sort of signal, but obviously he didn't. He then spotted a newsstand and walked over to pick up a newspaper. That's when he saw that the date was May 18, 1967. Uh, Sean would say that at this moment, his life flashed before his eyes. <laughs> He's like, uh, my family, my friends, they're not even born yet, or maybe they are. But Wondering if it's punishment not, he's for not. his shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, 1967, hell. <laughs> uh, but not willing to give up just yet, Sean decided to keep walking and search for a signal on his phone, Finally, when he approached a jewelry store, he, that's when he got a signal. And when he looked up from his phone, his entire environment was back to normal. However, it wasn't 100% back to normal because when he looked further down the street, he could still see some people dressed in 1960s attire. Weird. So like he could like see the, the gateway like, or whatever? Like just like some sort of shift Man, of crazy. old and new. Um, he was so freaked out, he got on the next bus and went home. He told the story to his friends and family, and one way or another, it got enough attention that the local newspaper picked it up. The reporter covering the story went to the security guard to get his side of the story and found out that it did match Sean's story. The guard confirmed that he was chasing him down the street, saw him turn into the corner, like that alleyway, went down with him, and he, he was gone. And he was like... <laughs> There was nowhere he could go and nowhere he could hide. So did he get arrested? I don't know. I I he's like, hey, dude, what happens? Like, <laughs> right. you just disappeared, and now you're here under arrest. Yeah, it's like, because you still stole something. You know, a lot of people don't really think about it. They, they, they're they like, man, cell phones are super powerful. They're super useful. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, if I travel through time, I'll have my cell phone. But your cell phone would be worthless. You can play, but, like, the games you downloaded. Right, because <laughs> you won't have any wireless signals. Right. You won't have any internet to use and unless you brought the charger with you there's no like unless you know how to make a like usb cable from scratch mm -hmm. you won't be able to charge your phone either and it's <laughs> your phone will be once the battery's gone you have a piece of technology you have to hide yeah. so that you don't like get arrested by the government and tested because they think you're an alien or something yeah i mean that's definitely what would happen <laughs> Okay, so anyway, this reporter also asked Sean for specific names of the shops that he remembers or any other details. The reporter discovered that everything he did list was historically accurate. Mm. This is pretty, I think, fairly credible. The security guard corroborated the story. Historically, everything was accurate. And the guy shoplifting had a lot to lose. He just admitted a crime just mm -hmm. to tell his story. That's true. That that's yeah. that and the security guard corroborating those I buy. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily it's not a bad thing. It's it, it doesn't hurt the story, but whenever they can list stores that used to exist, particularly in big cities like Liverpool, that's something that would be pretty easy to look up and find out. Yeah. That I, I don't 
that's one of the things that if someone is trying to create a lie, they're going to research, they're going to figure that out. The fact that he doesn't list stuff that didn't exist, though, that is helpful. So That's also hurts. helpful. I mean, he's also like a younger kid. Like, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have later looked up things to help out his story, sure. but it just seems very interesting. And then also with the police officer, that first story... It was 1996. It wouldn't have been as easy. It would have been. It would have been a lot harder. You'd you'd have to talk to people who were very familiar with the area, like right. like that other girl whose mom said, like she I knew because she was alive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Exciting. Um, I need to look up online <laughs> this street to see if we were even close to it. I, I know. know. I actually, I want to as well. I, did, I didn't even think to look it up. Well, but. then there was that one day I went off to go find the comic book shop because that's what I do in other countries. I'm like, <laughs> let's go find out where the nerds go here. Yeah. Uh, and so I wandered around. So I wonder if I got close to it there. Anyway. Um, yeah. So this is going to be my next last story. This one's called Mystery of the Torrid. Like Torrid? So... I literally just remembered that two people say it different ways. So it's some say Torrid, some say Tarid. How's it? How's it? What's it spelled like? T O R R I D. T A U R E D. Oh. So I think I'm thinking of the clothing store, which would have been spelled differently. Yeah. So mystery man of Tarid, Torrid, Tarid. Right. I'm gonna say Tarid. That's how I've been saying it the entire time in my head. Do it. Okay. On July 1954, a man arrived to Haneda Airport in Tokyo. His appearance was relatively normal. But officials were immediately on high alert when he approached for check-in. Um, just real quick, I don't think I actually wrote this down. Sometimes I forget to, like, describe how people look. But since you, he is in Japan, mm-hmm. um, he is very much a tourist. He looked very European. A foreigner, uh, sure. A foreigner. So sure. here we go. They reviewed the man's passport and saw that it looked genuine. The only issue was that it said he was from a country called Torrid, which does not exist. The man was brought in for investigation or interrogation, I should say, and was asked to point where on the map is Torrid located. <laughs> the man searched and with little hesitation point towards the border of France and Spain. Mm-hmm. And it's there is a country there, but it's called Andorra. Clearly it's not Torrid. <laughs> so the man insisted that's where his country was located. And he was also just as confused why he couldn't find it. The man was growing angry and concerned why... His country wasn't on the map. So, like, right now, things are getting pretty heated. Because according to him, Torrid had existed for a thousand years and was one of the most affluent countries in the world. What? I have no idea. (laughs) The man also told security that he had visited Japan several times on business in the past without any issue. And sure enough, there were stamps on his passport to confirm it. In fact, he had several stamps from other different countries as well. And when searched, the man had several different European currencies in his wallet. So it's like he was able to get to these places somehow. The man then demanded that they let him go because, you know, he had to check in his hotel. He had a very important business meeting in the morning, but the guards weren't ready to release him just yet. Yeah. And good luck flying home if no one knows where you live. (laughs) Where do you, where where do we deport you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They called up the man's hotel to confirm his reservations, but the clerk told them that they had no record of it. Officials were unsure what to make of this and needed more time to investigate. In the meantime, they decided to take the man in and basically hold him up into a hotel that was nearby the the airport. Sure, sure. And definitely make sure that there were always two guards at the door. So he wasn't technically arrested, but he was also not free to go. Okay, okay, okay. Um, investigators called the company that the man claimed to work for, 
but they were told no such person existed, even though the man had documents proving otherwise. So he was carrying, like, you know, paperwork from his job because he was there for business or whatnot, but no one knew of him. So either something bizarre is happening or he's the worst spy ever. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. He's mad-libbing all everything. All right. <laughs> Investigators then contacted the company the man was visiting for business, and, of course, they never heard of him either. This guy <laughs> can't catch a break. Things right. are crumbling around him. <laughs> <laughs> With this new information, authorities were ready to interrogate the man a second time, but when they opened the hotel room, he was gone. The guards swore they had never left their post unattended and that there was no way he could have escaped. The windows, um, well, first of all, the floor was super high. Like, there was several floors up, and there were no balconies. So even if he was somehow Spider-Man, there, it would have been very easy for him to jump down from sure, anything. Sure. He would have died, essentially. And no one ever saw the man again. So here are other strange details uh, that are that was picked up after, like, you know, after he disappeared. Like, what's going on? Uh, the man also had a checkbook to a bank that didn't exist. Okay, that would have been hard to get printed. Like, why would you do that? That would have been difficult. Right? There were, like, witnesses there, especially, like, security guards or just people that worked at the airport that were genuinely starting to feel bad for him. He seemed distraught. Uh, he kept asking if this was a joke. Why are you doing this? Can someone please help me? Like, he was starting to shout because he thought, like, he was being arrested and taking, you know, because like, it was, like, a foreign country. Yeah. He's like, did I do something wrong? I don't understand. And here's the best detail. The same time the man disappeared, so did all of his belongings. Even the items that were confiscated by authorities. What? <laughs> like, what the hell? So, yeah. That's a really weird story. Many people believe he was a time traveler. Whether his time travel was intentional or not. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I gotta stop there. So, okay. initially when I heard it, I was like... I hadn't heard of Tarit or Tor sure. or whatever. And so when you're saying, I was like, man, is there a country I don't know about that like came to be like a year later or disappeared? And then when I was hearing more about like, it's been around for like a thousand years. But the fact that he was in, you know, contemporary modern Japan and nothing weird him out. Sure. And he's not from like a distant future where things are weird. I think he's from an alternate universe. Right. And so that's, there's very different theories about this because, um, yeah, people are like, yeah, he's a time traveler. But you're like, no, because he's not, he doesn't exist. Why didn't they even. bring someone in to, to ask him questions like, tell me what, the history of your country. Tell me what you know so about this, the world at the moment. <laughs> because they're not insane. <laughs> they didn't actually think he was a time traveler yet. Oh, man. Um, I, we need more creative interrogators. Yeah. This was also in the span of maybe less than 24 hours kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like we missed out on something important. I know. Damn it, Tarid, man. So it's also very likely he was also just a victim of time slip as well. Now, here's the thing. Here's a counter kind of perspective. On October 1959, so this would have been five years after the Tarid Man story, a man named John Allen Zegris, Zegris was prosecuted in to Tokyo for representing a false passport. During interrogation, he claimed to be from the U.S., but moved to the U.K. and served in World War II as a Royal Air Force pilot. He also claimed that he arrived to Japan for a secret mission, which turned out to be untrue. There's more wacky tales about this story, but and super entertaining to read, no less. But there are so much differences than the Torrid Man story, and also it took years after it had occurred that 
people or at least believers or some that like even the skeptics are like, this isn't enough to perhaps totally debunk the story because they think, okay, maybe this Zegris guy knew about the Tarn man and was just a copycat or it was just a coincidence because using a fake passport isn't necessarily something that yeah. is unbelievable. Like, no, why would to- you do that? Oh, you know totally, what I mean? Totally, totally. So it's a, it's reasonable that it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But anyway, so, but skeptics use this story to be like, oh, I bet these stories got blended and the Torrid man got super blown out of proportion or something like that, which is also possible. Interesting. But, yeah. My mind's so, I don't know. What do you think? With this one. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, like, I... When I read this, my mind was blown. I'm like, I need to like read more about this. Okay, so I was digging all the other time dilation stories. When I got to this, I was like, this is a really damn good movie. This is so <laughs> exciting. Like, there probably I, is a movie. I already. just want to go. Yeah, I have to find out if inspired some events or whatever. But I really want to deep dive in this. This is a really cool story. Yeah. I think this might be the most fascinated I've been. In recent memory, this is Ooh. this tickles me. This is so awesome. <laughs> I'm oh, glad. I'm, I'm glad. in love with this. That's amazing. I'm so happy. So there's some theories here, but now just in case you ever find yourself in a situation that you might be slipping into time, these are some things you might experience. Okay. <laughs> Deafening silence, mm-hmm. feeling sick, disorientation. And a hazy environment that impairs your vision as well. So COVID. So basically, if you have COVID, you have now traveled in time. That's really what's happening. <laughs> I was like, you just don't remember. It's like this stuff is foggy and weird. It's like, and it wait looks a minute, I read it's really the, quiet. I read this in the back of my Nyquil. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god. So here are some explanations. Um, mass hallucination. Mm-hmm. So like. You know how there's people saying in Liverpool or Suffolk, they're like, there's so many time dilations or whatever, like hallucinations. They're thinking, oh, a lot of people are making this up or they do believe it. Maybe they're looking into certain details that wouldn't have otherwise alarmed them because they were always there. Sure. You know, you know what I mean. And then they're simply lying. People just want to be on a newspaper, on a show or get attention. All these things. Another explanation is aliens. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are theories that aliens have something to do with tra- That's my time territory. travel. Come on, come on. Well, no, no, no. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> and we've actually talked about in the past yep. that definitely aliens are just future humans. I love that theory. Oh, it's one of my favorite <laughs> science fiction theories. Yeah, you brought that to my attention. But also that aliens can interfere uh, individual timeline. Mm-hmm. So, like, you might have been abducted. They dropped you off in the '60s by accident. They're like, "Oops," picked you back up and put you back. That's, I think, very unlikely. Sure. Especially when I was reading some of these stories, I specifically picked the ones today because they had a very, very little alien influence. Oh. A lot of times people think they're abducted and put in a different time frame. Like our user listener story, that was a, an option. It was always an idea that could have been something Yeah, like so that. like that one or people often say they'll see like a white light or they'll like remember something that's very alien-y. Yeah. These stories do not have that. Yeah. At all. No, they're all good stories. So I'm already going to say not aliens. So, and other people say actual time travel. Mm-hmm. They're like, somehow you travel through time, uh, which is obviously the merging of different dimensions that cause someone to momentarily slip into another, either another dimension or another timeline, like your timeline. Yeah. Now I read more about dimensions, which is always a good time. And I think I understood some of it. I'm not going to go into detail because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of it wrong because this might come to a shock to all of you. 
but I'm in fact not a theoretical physicist. And I will say that I did learn something. Like I learned more about string theory and in my procrastination adventure, I was able to like somehow understand that yes, there are in fact possibly millions and billions and trillions and so many numbers that I can't even come up with that word of dimensions that exist, right? Yeah. I think a lot of us kind of knew that. If anything, the Marvel movies have shown us that's a possibility, the idea of it. After I went down this space rabbit hole, I did have a thought and inquiry. So since there are theory, in theory, infinite dimensions, including many different theories that explain how these dimensions exist, hence the string theory, why would it be so difficult to believe that there wouldn't be some wraparound or crossover moment that bleeds into reality? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like allowing individuals to physically transcend one reality to another only to be pulled back moments later with some sort of gravitational pull. Mm. I'm not 100% sure if this question stems from my ignorance and there's like actual... No, but, but I, would this say, is, I would say that the concept of infinite universes is already an incredibly complicated concept and the human brain hasn't been adapted to dealing with these complicated things yet. And so I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that it has to follow other strict rules because right. the universe already is breaking rules that we've defined for ourselves. So we don't understand how, if these exist, how these universes are held together. So we might consider it a fault if it's bleeding through, but maybe that's just how it works. Like we don't know any of this. So these theories, what makes them exciting is we don't actually have good answers. No. And Neither do theoretical physicists or any Mm -hmm. physicists of any kind because I was trying to look for some sort of answer. Like, do they under, like, do they think that these kind of time dilations or time travel or time slips, do they even factor them? But in all honesty, they're just trying to make sense of the fact that the dimensions even exist. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. saying that they're bleeding through would actually, from what I understood, not debunk some of theories that exist now, but it doesn't quite match in quantum physics. Like it just, there's like the rules, right? Like yeah. there's some rules you have to follow. And I don't know, like I said, I'm already getting too deep in here and <laughs> I don't want to talk about it too much. Cause I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Just conceptually from what they were saying. Sure. Um, it just doesn't seem like it could make sense, but as an average person, it seems possible. <laughs> I mean, some people seem to think so. And it's experience. a neat idea. Right. Exactly. So anyway, that's my story. So I'm sure most people, like, everyone's going to have their own opinion as to whether or not that stuff happened, if maybe they're lying, maybe all those theories you you posed. And since we don't actually have any strong empirical scientific evidence to say, yes, a time event happened, the assumption would be, I would just assume, yeah, that it probably didn't happen and it could be for any number of reasons. That Mm -hmm. said, I really like the idea that it happened. Mm-hmm. I think it makes the world slash universe infinitely more interesting if it did. And yeah. so these are the kinds of things where I choose to want to believe, even though I know in my brain it's probably not there, but I want to believe because I think it makes the world better. I think it makes it slightly more chaotic, though, for me. It kind of scares me, to be honest. Like, these aren't controlled time travels. You know, you're, everyone's always thinking, oh, someone's going to maybe invent a time machine and that's something that you have to physically mentally work through you have to manipulate whatever space and time you have around you on purpose to even have this occur so if it's occurring without your knowledge or consent that's terrifying to me absolutely i agree 
And then there's all these little things. Everyone always thinks of time travel in the way we see it in movies where they're just trying to tell a story. But right. when you actually deal with hard science fiction that talks about time travel, you realize it's infinitely more terrifying and possibly bad. Kind of like in the movie The Prestige when he found a way to teleport himself, but by doing that, he was actually duplicating himself. Yeah. And he was killing the original and, and bring it back. And his biggest fear was what if I'm not the one who wakes up right. new? Like I'm the one who dies. And that's been an idea in time travel that they would have to rebuild you in another time. And you might actually die and just a new you yeah. that isn't you. And you could experience death, all the terrible stuff. I mean, welcome to timeline. Michael Crichton's greatest book. <laughs> Definitely his, in his top three books. For I don't sure. know if it's my favorite, but it's one of my top. It's possibly my favorite. It's fighting with sphere but i never finished the book but i loved the movie <laughs> no no i got no, halfway it's through very the book. similar i got halfway through the book and i was like this really isn't doing much else that the movie didn't do and i had already seen the movie a million times and i was like yeah this is i probably should finish it because i bet the ending is different but, yeah well yeah. we'll see i mean you do what you want to do right. anyway point being amazing Michael, story yeah um what I've learned, time slips are scary, and Michael Crichton is awesome. So here we go. And if you are terrified of this stuff, this would be pretty spooky stuff. <laughs> I want to see it for myself, but I bet a lot of people would consider this like a traumatic experience. So Yeah. Well, I like it. This is awesome. This is one of my favorite ones we've done in a while. Oh, I'm glad. But I think we need to take a quick break because I got to roll on with my story, and both our drinks are empty. So see you guys in a few. Okay, I'm back, Jace is back, and so is my beer. My beer is back. So I'm excited. Finally, we can get to your story. I'm really pumped about my story today, not just because it's a good story, but because it feels like forever since I've done an end of episode encounter, counter, 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 counter. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's been so long. But before I jump into it, I have a little surprise for Lily and our listeners. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I think it's time for a mini pub quiz. <gasps> so get your shots ready, folks. As if there was any doubt, today's quiz is UFO themed. Oh my God, this is so exciting. And I also have to say, Lily mentioned in the first part of our episode that she's not super perceptive. And that holds true today. Because oh God, what why? she doesn't know is I have <gasps> liquor and shots for Lily <laughs> hiding behind me. Oh my god, y'all, I'm fucking blind. <laughs> Honestly, at this point in my life, I'm shocked I was never abducted. Like, it's so easy for somebody to kidnap me, apparently. Yeah, I'm grateful you haven't been, but <laughs> And we also have a UFO shot glass that I got her for Christmas. So oh my god, this is so funny. Here's, here's how it is. There's a lot of questions. Oh no, help me. But because you don't need to be doing a million shots right now, and I'm pretty sure the people at home don't want to either... The rule is if you get more than half of them right, you don't take a shot. Ooh. If you get less than half of them right, you take a shot. Okay. I mean, you do take the <laughs> okay, shot. Okay, wait. I was like, this makes me. Yeah. If, if you do better than half, you don't have to take the shot. Okay. Okay. Now, normally you'd say I will, but I'm not drinking alcohol at the moment. I'm just drinking NA beer. So Yes. Exciting. I'll pour the shot back in and I'll be sad. I'm really hoping <laughs> she's going to get these wrong. So Anyway. Are you ready to begin? I am very ready to begin. I'm going to ask you a series of questions that are obviously all UFO themed, but I'm going to give you a little prefaces before them, so a little bit of information, so it makes sense. Okay, cool. We've all heard of the Bermuda Triangle, 
and even discussed it at length in previous episodes. But apparently there are multiple other conceptual triangles associated with the paranormal, bad things, and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. not just the Bermuda Triangle. I'm going to list three other triangles. One of them is fake. Oh, no. Pick the fake one. (laughs) So you have a one in three chance of getting this right. Okay. A, the Falkirk Triangle in Scotland, which is from Stirling to Fife to Edinburgh. B, the Devil's Sea, sometimes called Dragon's Triangle, which is Mm. south of Tokyo in the Pacific Ocean near the Yap Islands. And C, the Tonga Triangle, north of New Zealand up to Tonga and Fiji. Oh, no. I'm going to say Tonga. Damn, you got it right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yep. The other two are real. So the Devil's Triangle and Dragon's Triangle. I really want to read more about that. Yeah. And the Falkirk Triangle relates to my story today a little bit. So. Ooh, okay. In 2017, Reuters published the results of a survey by Amsterdam market research company Glocalities, in which they asked 26,000 people from 24 countries about their belief in the existence of alien life. First question. When asked if they believed in some form of life on other planets, the results were divided 61% to 39%. Do you think the 61% were the believers or the non-believers? Essentially, Ooh, okay, do you okay. think the majority believes or doesn't believe? Oh, no. Only because I am, I'm going to say believe. You got it right. Oh, no way. That many? Yeah, that shocked me too. This wasn't a question of intelligent life. It's any life. So that means plant life counted. Oh. So intelligent life makes it a more complicated that question. That makes it way more complicated, Yeah. Now, those results found that both Germany and Britain showed similar rates to the United States, meaning 61% believe. However, there were several countries that beat out these numbers. Next question. Do you believe that Mexico had a higher percentage of believers or lower than the United States? The reason I ask this specific question is since you spent a lot of time in Mexico, you might have your own insights into how people think. Maybe not. I'm going to say higher. Damn, you got it right. Yeah, I know. We we believe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know how many how many more or what's the percentage? Did it say? Uh, like how much no, more? No, it just said it was higher. Oh, okay. All right. Now, so technically you've gotten three right. Yes. So you've you've technically won because there's one last question. Oh. Okay. But you know what? Because I really want you to drink. This is the all or nothing. <laughs> oh no. I'm changing the rules. You listeners at home can play by the OG rules or do this. If you get this one wrong, okay. you drink, I and if drink. you get it right, you don't have to, and I pour the sad shot back. Sad shot. Okay. The survey also listed which country had the highest percentage of believers <gasps> and the lowest percentage of believers. Oh, no. I'm going to list both countries, and you tell me which is the which one of them is the highest which and which highest? one of them is the lowest. In mm-hmm. alphabetical order, Okay. we have the Netherlands, so Holland, Amsterdam, okay. all that, and we have Russia. Oh. Which one do you think more people believe and less people? And the le- so so the most people believers according to this survey okay. and the lowest percentage of believers. Um Man, I wish the listeners could help me. I'm going to okay, yeah, I'm going to say Netherlands is the least believers and Russia is the highest. Damn, 4 for 4. No way. Perfect win. <laughs> Yay, I win it. Smart guessing, but lose in drinking. 
Ah, uh, okay. I'm gonna pour this shot back into the bottle. You're a bottle, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you should go. bring it over here. She's totally not drinking the shot anyway, <laughs> even though she won. It's uh, a. It's not a punishment shot now. It's a celebratory it's a, shot. Yeah, exactly. We just changed the energy of it. So any of our new listeners are thinking to themselves, like, are they just drinking? <laughs> yes, we are just drinking. The answer is yes, absolutely. Cheers, everyone. Ooh, that was good. All right. So now it's time to get to the story now that you're all prepped and liquored up. <laughs> Perfect. Back in August of last year, which would be 2022, if depending on when you're listening to this, an interesting article popped up online that caught my attention. I researched it from multiple sources, but my first run in with it was on the Newsweek website, which I don't actually follow or read. It, it just happened to pop up on my news feed mm. and the only reason I actually paid attention to it was the title was so interesting and the title was <laughs> best UFO picture ever the Calvine photo found after 30 years missing <gasps> what I had never heard of this photo but now I was super intrigued that's actually really intriguing because you're like it sounds like this is an important event as it is and now something new has been discovered well I know I, I, I had so many questions from when I heard the title obviously the first was what is the Calvine photo right the other was how could a photo go missing for 30 years like what does that mean how did it go because where are yeah. you would assume you know a published photo how does it go missing blah 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 <laughs> and also they said best. And so that's obviously that's subjective true. opinion. These are all like trigger words for clickbait. Like, but I, I love it because the publisher did its job and now I want to know. And we've seen a million UFO photos and most of them make me laugh because they're really awful. <laughs> so when I hear best, I'm like, am I actually going to see something that's good true. or am I going to laugh? Yeah. So let's dissect this for a moment, shall we? According to the article on August 4th, 1990, two hikers were out on an excursion near Calvine, Scotland which is a hamlet located pretty much smack dab in the middle of Scotland on the main road, which is the A9, which goes between Inverness and Edinburgh, right on the edge of the Cairngorms National Park. We drove this road. Mm -hmm. We did this. That's awesome. Well, these two who were both chefs at a nearby hotel, that's not necessarily relevant to the story, but they <laughs> mentioned it. So I was like, I'll give as much information as I can. They are chefs. They decided it was a great day to hike through the hills. Near 9 p.m. at night, and it should also be mentioned, that might seem weird because you'd assume it would be nighttime, but we've been out there, and because of their, like, yeah, their latitude in August, the sun's up pretty late. So the, oh, my God. It, yeah. It wouldn't have been pitch black outside. So near 9 p.m., they witnessed a most peculiar sight. In the sky was a massive diamond-shaped object that hovered and at times moved silently through the sky. It was ominous enough that it actually frightened them, so they retreated mm. into some tree cover in an effort to remain unspotted. Not long after, they began to hear a noise, only the noise wasn't coming from the triangular, or I shall I say, diamond object, but rather from multiple military jets approaching it. <gasps> the jets then began to circle around the object. During this heightened moment of activity is when they decided to take a photograph. Well, Actually, oh. six color photographs, but this story, unfortunately, only deals with one of those photos. And I will talk about what the photo looks like a little later. Unlike other stories where I've talked about photos, this one is more about the circumstances surrounding the photo mm. and less about what's actually in the photo. Okay. But back to the UFO encounter. The whole ordeal lasted for only around 10 minutes, after which the craft rapidly rose vertically and out of sight, at least according to the two hikers. 
Now, what happened next isn't quite clear. I can't seem to find any more information on what happened to the UFO in front of him, but we do know what happened to the photo. The two hikers did what most intelligent people at the time would do. They brought them to a newspaper. Oh, so they didn't develop it yet, or did they? They had it developed. Oh, oh, okay. Scotland's Daily Record, to be exact, is the name of the newspaper. Mm. And this is when things get messy. There are claims that a D notice had been sent to the newspaper. I had to actually look up what a D notice was online. Like cease and desist kind of thing? Well, so Wikipedia states that a D notice was, quote, an official request to news editors not to publish or broadcast items on specific subjects for reasons of national security, end quote. It is a government request saying this is a security You don't mess with that. Yeah. And although the existence of the D notice cannot be confirmed, there is a paper trail suggesting it is highly likely that that did happen. Oh, that's cool. What we do know, though, is that the newspaper's picture editor sent them to a man named Craig Lindsay, or Lindsay, a press officer for the Royal Air Force. Lindsay then passed the photos on to people at the Ministry of Defense. After looking at the photos, the Ministry of Defense told Lindsay to acquire all of the negatives from the source at the Daily Record. And in turn, the Daily Record sent the negatives to the Ministry of Defense. And I'll bet you can guess what happened next. Mm-hmm. The photos were never seen again. Yeah. Oh, we lost it. Or were they Were they even denying that they lost? Oh, like, we'll, they- we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just want to know what their statement was. Inquiries to the Ministry of Defense are met with the claim that they returned the photos to the newspaper, oh, but the newspaper claims they never received them. Suspicious? I would say so. Uh, Yeah. As someone who's actually dealt with the Royal Mail, both while in England and from outside it, I would say that it wasn't the fastest, but it definitely seemed reliable. I never Mm -hmm. had anything go missing. It was just slow. Sure. I think the photos going missing at that moment in time was not a coincidence. (laughs) So it would seem that the amazing UFO photograph was forever lost to either the mail service, bureaucratic brouhaha, or a legitimate cover-up. I like bureaucratic boo-ha-ha. That's a really <laughs> good term right there, a phrase. Everyone knows what it means who's ever had to deal with any yeah. government facility. According to an article on Journal News, a 1996 book titled Open Skies, Close Minds came out which mentioned this particular mishap. It got some attention and led to a member of parliament, Martin Redmond, to ask about the photograph in official capacity, to which the Minister of State for the Armed Forces replied, quote, A number of negatives associated with the sighting were examined by staff responsible for air defense matters. Since it was judged they contained nothing of defense significance, the negatives were not returned, and we have no record of any photographs being taken from them. Mm. End quote. Meaning that's the exact opposite thing that they had said earlier when they said they returned them. Now they said, we didn't return them because they weren't important. So I'm like, okay, we've got two (laughs) stories. In 2008, the Ministry of Defense released the UFO files, which contain some information about the incident and other Mm. stuff as well. Most interestingly are the pre-written replies that were in the file for use when they were questioned about the UFO photographs. They included affirming that the jet in the photo was a Harrier jet, that they have no record of Harriers operating in location at the alleged time and date of the photograph, Mm. and that they received no other reports of unusual air activity at the time. They also said they have, quote, no definite conclusions reached regarding the diamond-shaped object, end quote. Meaning they acknowledge okay. it was there, they don't know what it is. That's what they say. So, okay, we're we're getting like an inch now uh-huh. from them. All of this is well and good, but it's complicated when we were talking about a photograph that most people haven't even seen. But it turns out there was one copy of this photo that the Ministry of Defense didn't have. Enter David Clark. <gasps> 
a British journalist who used to be a curator for the British National Archives. He did some digging, and he had the initiative to ask Craig Lindsay, the man who passed the photos from the newspaper to the Ministry of Defense, if he happened to have a copy of one of the prints. (laughs) And guess what? He did. (laughs) I'm guessing yes. (laughs) He's like, I got one. He has one. So there were six original photos, and this isn't even a negative. This is a print, so it's going to be old, faded, and it's only of one of them. Damn. But I mean, my but assumption still. is he probably picked the best one because if you're going to keep one, keep right. keep the good one. Hell yeah! So it is now as that as this article that I that piqued my interest would you know lead you to believe it has now been made available and put online and it's been put in a uh, national archive or whatnot. Nice. Uh, so everyone can see it more than thirty years after it was taken. But only the image was made available, not more information that goes with it, like hmm. information about the two people who took it. We don't know. Are they a lot, like, do we even, we don't have names, do we? We don't have anything about them. The information should have been released due to something known as the 30-year rule. However, obviously, all the stuff we're talking about has to do with British government stuff. And they're, Every they're different thing, government, yeah. United States doesn't kind of work this way. This is just what they do there. Okay. However, the Ministry of Defense blocked the release of this information until 2072. <gasps> Whoa. They claim the reason is privacy concerns, so we don't know if that is legitimate or if it was the request of the hikers who submitted the photos or if the Ministry of Defense has made those individuals disappear. And it's oh. easier to keep questions from being asked if nobody knows who the fuck they are. That's so messed up. Yeah. That's that's just an interesting one Well, to yeah, me. like it, in 2070-whatever, like... Who's going to be alive still? Like, yeah, and you can always question. say, we don't know. There's just too much. It's too long It's ago. an urban legend at this exactly. point. No one knows. According to a page on the National UK Archives website, they claim it is standard to keep information sealed for the lifetime of the subject, which is often assumed to be 100 years, meaning the hikers that took the photo were likely 20 years old at this time. So that's all mm-hmm. we know. Okay. Two hikers. I don't even know if they were guys or girls. You don't know that. Nothing. Two hikers, likely based on this. Who were chefs? Were 20. Chefs at a at a <laughs> hotel, which I bet we could deep dive into that. If, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if but that's these, even true. These hikers may have been from another time, though, and walked through a time portal, as you mentioned. Hey, the... also possible. Thank you. And that's yeah. why they don't exist. They can't find them. This page also claims that even though the file won't be made public till 2072, it does not have photographs in it. So people have some information from this file. Yeah. Just curious. I know the last part is a little deep into the conspiracy, even for me, you know, claiming maybe the Ministry of Defense made him disappear. But for some reason, this story kind of, to say it again, tickles me. <laughs> This one seems fishy, just a little bit more than most of the UFO stuff things I do. This is a very Tickle Me Elmo kind of episode right now. Notice how the information about the photo right now, that's why this story is interesting, because I didn't want to do another one where I was like, great photo. Do you have the photo with you? I do. We're going to get to that. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) So after all that, what does the photo actually show? There it is. Even though the photo is in color, there really is not much color in it. It's very low saturation. To be honest... It looks like a black and white photo when you see it. Okay. To be fair, most of the images of the sky, which is your typical Scottish sky. And by that, I mean overcast gray and without color. (laughs) Hey, it's beautiful. (laughs) You can see a fence along the bottom of the image and some leafy branches towards the top. In the center is a very obvious angular object darker than the sky, but still a shade of gray. Nice. Diamond shaped is a pretty apt description. The object was comprised of four angles and the apparent horizontal line through the center. Just below and to the right, you can see a clear representation of a jet Harrier airplane. 
the diamond object is considerably larger, but you can't tell how much closer it is. So it's true scale is a mystery. But the eyewitnesses who took the photo claim that it was around 100 feet in length. We will have wow. this photo on our Instagram account, so you have to make sure to check it out. It's a pretty cool photo. I'm going to show it to Lily right now. Woohoo, let's see. Ooh, okay. So take a moment to describe what you think I was missing from my description that people should know. I don't know what, I don't know if it's missing anything. So you do see like kind of like a gate to keep cattle. Yeah, like the fence like thing. Like the fence yeah. thing, right? And then you kind of, it does have depth in my opinion. And it looks massive. It does look like the jet's far behind it and you have a big old Well, UFO that's what I'm front. saying. Like if you're looking yeah. at the jet, that's perspective already. Yeah. They're, even if they're on the same exact panel, like I don't know how you say it, like. Why do I even say panel? They're the same plane. Plane. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> there. That is massively larger. And if it's not, it's still pretty fucking convincing. Now it got printed on our printer, which is dying of ink. So she even got like a worst of a worst scenario here. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's a good photo? Yes. So she, you like it? Yep, I like it. Do you think it looks cheesy and fake? Do you think it looks believable, or you don't know, but it looks good? Okay, so it's one of those situations because it printed so terribly. I can't analyze it that well. I almost think the print made it more fun, like a poster. I think it made it more <laughs> realistic for me right now. It's no, it doesn't. It looks worse in the in the print. Oh, wow. Okay. It looks better on screen. Because I was going to say, it's kind of like when you write a note for school that you're sick and you have to like present it, but your mom didn't sign it, so you signed it. Yeah. But you kind of crinkle the paper a little bit so they don't know it's your signature. You've never done that before? Uh, yeah, I know Just exactly. Just me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Try to try to authenticize like it. Is, yeah, this is what this print looks like. It's like you try to bit. mess it up to make it more. Well, I'll show you the original, and once again, you listeners, absolutely go to our Instagram to check out the picture. You can Google it too, but go to our Instagram and show it some love. Yeah, yeah, woohoo! So, as someone who regularly looks at UFO photos and finds most of them to be giggle-inducing, I think that this one looks really good. Oh, I good. think the UFO looks weird. But I actually think it's a really cool looking picture. Well, it actually has like some sort of like stillness to it, uh-huh. which is exactly the way people describe UFO. Mm-hmm. Like when they, it looks a little it. unnatural. You don't look at that and go, "I know what I'm looking at." You look and go, "What the heck is that?" Like, why is it so perfect? Yeah, exactly. So it does seem to have a reputation for not looking doctored and being unmanipulated. Clark had Andrew Robinson, a senior photography lecturer from Sheffield Hallam University, analyze the photo. He claims that there appears to be no doctoring or post-photographic manipulation done at all. He also clarifies that whether or not it's fake, he doesn't know. He can't Mm. say that. But if it was a fake, it was something that was done practically and captured on film, meaning the fake was something they were making in the real world be fake, and they took a real photo of it because the photo is not modified. Right, okay. Kind of like when someone throws a plate in the air. So if it's fake, it was something done in front of the camera in that moment as opposed to being done afterwards nice which i think is cool that's that's i always like you know every time i get a specialist who's like unbiased or like my art is in photography not like my skill level is photography not is ufos real is it anything no they're like this photo is real because i'm a professional well and i I also like when when these professionals they say look i'm not telling you whether or not aliens exist that's not the issue i'm telling you that my expertise is on this. This is what I know. And you can take or leave that and go on with your other bits. I love that. Yeah, me too. So the big question is, what is it? Clark himself does not believe that it depicts an alien spacecraft. According to the interview, he claims, quote, I believe it was man-made somewhere in a secret hangar, and whatever it was remains on the secret list and highly sensitive, end quote. 
He goes on to claim that it might be the Aurora, which was an experimental aircraft allegedly being developed back in the 80s. This project's existence mm-hmm. has been denied by the government, however. So okay. he thinks that's what it is. So that's that's another wide claim that could be true, but An he doesn't have anything theory. to back that up. So. Sure. Okay. What we can say is that the presence of the Harrier jet in the vicinity supports the idea that the object was either an alien craft or a military experiment and not merely just a hoax. Or is it? There has been only one debunk that I find particularly creative and interesting. So for this debunk theory, look at the picture upside down. The debunk theory suggests that the photo might be actually taken of a puddle of water showing a reflection of the sky. And if so, the UFO was nothing more than a small bit of earth poking up through the water. The reflection would make the triangle tip appear diamond-like and explain the horizontal line, making it look like something floating in the air. Damn. So when they captured the jet in the reflection, it looks like something is flying up there with it. As for the jet being in the air, well, according to the Journal News, quote, Calvine lies close to the only main road through that part of the Scottish Highlands, one which is relatively busy thoroughfare, even on summer evenings, and the valley it follows was a popular low-flying route for RAF aircraft, end Mm. quote. It is a great debunk, but far from an open and shut sort of thing. In typical UFO fashion, the image is a bit grainier, bit low definition than I would like, <laughs> making exact details harder to find. Once again, this isn't a negative. This is an old print. So you can't really say for sure. I like the debunk because it's a really smart debunk. When you actually look at really the photo, is. you go, I can see Damn. that. But you don't know for sure because it's still weird. And the fact that you don't have six photos... I think if we had six photos, we would be able to know for 100%. sure. 100%. And the fact that there were six, to me, suggests that's not the case. Because if you took six photos of a little thing popping up in a pond, it would be more obvious what it was. And their analysis that they the ministry did said they don't know what it is. And they would have been able to with all six photos. That's true. It is awfully symmetrical, though. A little like bit. In the picture. For it to be poking out and then be so still i don't know this is this is very strange but i guess very possible very possible still yeah and and with that all i can say is you guys should take a look at the photo and decide for yourself is it actually the best ufo photo ever that's one thing to worry about but it could also be as unbelievable as the nessie photo to you it all depends (laughs) all i can say is that one of the main reasons certain photos get lots of attention isn't actually the photo itself like in this case it's actually the confusing government responses that occur as a result. Mm -hmm. If there was no government involvement, would we even be talking about this photo? Was the photo simply a reflection in a puddle? Or was it an experimental government aircraft in the sky? Or did two guys actually see evidence of alien life? Who knows? But we do know the government definitely had some interference. And this photo now has a huge story behind it. So hopefully a lot of people are going to analyze it, tear it apart, either prove it true, prove it false, whatever they can do. Yeah. And that's your end of episode in counter, counter, counter. That was amazing. I would say, one, obviously it's true. And yeah, I think the government actually shot themselves in the foot with this one. They could have very easily debunked Uh it and been like, oh yeah, this is the one picture we received from them or something like that. And been like, this is why it's wrong or whatever. Because they also said no Harrier jets were known. In the vicinity at the time and date. There we go. But then again, they could have been lying about the time they saw it. It just makes everything less unlikely. But it's why it's why it's so hard to say that a debunk was good or bad. Is because there's just so many factors where we've got hearsay, we've got stuff the government isn't telling us, but it makes it intriguing. And it makes us think about it. And that's kind of 
to me, the exciting part about UFOs is is not knowing what, what's true and what's false. It's the games that are being played that make me go, ooh, and I just get more and more interested. I know. I got very X-File-y like, with yeah. this. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're tricking you, and they're giving you different stories to different people or different times. Uh, yeah, so I love this story. I never heard of this story. I hope those two chefs are okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're not, like, buried right? somewhere because they, they saw something they shouldn't have. I hope they're not living under this puddle. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, hopefully, everything's okay. Absolutely. I do want to say real quick before Lily takes us out for the episode that we are avid pub quizzers. We do it every Monday with some friends. And after the last pub (laughs) quiz, I thought to myself, I really need to get another quiz in here because in the past we've done occasional quiz episodes. We've been kind of behind on or not behind, just kind of, yeah, just lacking. I don't know. But this is where I'm looking for your guys' opinion. Did you like the little thing we did today? Do you want more of those little things? Do you want another full episode like we've done before with huge things? If you have an opinion, please let us know, either through social media or anything like that. And if you right. don't have an opinion, you'll get what we gave you. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it is. But I mean, you're still here, right? Yeah, so That's what I wanted to say. Also, let me know if you want me to bring back the wheel. Oh. I love our wheel. Our wheel spin of, that wheel. Spin that wheel. See how we drink. Yep. Yes, I love Might that. Might have to modify it and update it for modern stuff, but absolutely. Oh, yeah, of New course. Wheel. Of course. Well, I guess that's the end, correct? Absolutely. All right. Well, if this is your first time with us, welcome, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If this isn't your first episode, thank you for existing. <laughs> Remember, you can always email us at hotwpodcast at gmail.com with your story suggestions or your own spooky experience so that we can include it into our next listener story. And as always, we say... If you find yourself having a work week hangover or a beer and rum kind of hangover, well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear.